Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to hey. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music. Leonard Brothers here on The Humble Farmer. Leonard Brothers from out west somewhere. I think my nephew brought that back from St. Louis or some place far, 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 far away. And why that is playing, it shouldn't be. Something's supposed to be working here. Something is not working. Well, let's see. It's time for a bit of science. Maybe that'll cure it. Did you know that there's a one-to-one correlation between the length of a sermon 
and the number of people who catch colds from the man in the back row who is coughing on their necks.
many good men, I hope. <laughs> many good men here on The Humble Farmer. You have heard people say that man is supposed to be the crowning achievement of evolution. Yet, how far we have fallen. Witness the countless pictures on Facebook of plates of food, pet dogs and cats, grandchildren, and on my page, far below the bottommost pit in Hades, my before and after pictures of a bookcase I hauled home from the dump. Yesterday, to keep from doing anything productive, I got as far as arranging a few of my CDs on the shelves of that bookcase. Fat cases on one shelf and thin cases on the other shelf. Not in alphabetical order, of course, as they should be, but, but nothing on the shelves that I would not consider, consider playing on a show for you. Ghana, Scott Hamilton, Django, and a couple of others, like Carl Smith's favorites. I have eight CDs called Carl Smith's Favorites, and they're all held together on my shelf by rubber bands. Do you know Carl Smith? Carl Smith is a lawyer in Portland, or somewhere down south of here. And years and years ago, Carl Smith generously gave me some of the first CDs I ever had when CDs first came into vogue. Carl Smith was back before the days of computers, before email, so I have no record of Carl Smith in my files, other than to remember that he was one of the original radio friends who sent me CDs, so these radio friends' music, so their music could be enjoyed by one and all. Louise in New Jersey sent me many choice things I played for you hundreds of times, and will probably play again when I make a show. How I'd like to have you all in a room so I could personally thank you once again for all the help you've given me over the past <clears throat> 37 years. If you can put me in contact with Cal Smith, I'd appreciate it. And if you ever sent me a CD to play, I'd like to know about that too so I could thank you again. I'm thehumblefarmer at gmail.com. And I'm fighting with my equipment today.
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let us consider Fermi's paradox. Part of Fermi's paradox, as you well know, says that any planet whose population had reached or possibly surpassed our level of progress might have already self-destructed, which might be which might be why we see no evidence of other life in the universe. Now, you probably read that years ago, and I'm amazed that you can still remember it. It must be fun to be like you and be able to remember things that you've read. I wish I, wish I could remember what I read. There was a thing called the Great Filter, and I think that self-destruction is on one side of the Great Filter, you know, it's interesting to read about things like that and why we have seen no other signs of life in the universe is one of those things. There might be some things that science will never understand, which is where myth and superstitions step right in to fill the gap. Why life evolved on this particular planet might be one of those things that will never be explained. What do you think?
The Dance of the Hoodlums. When was the last time you heard? What's going on here? I'm really having all kinds of distressful things happen to me here today. Let's stop that one. Let's stop that one. Now, I think what I'm going to play next time is that one right there, which is that one. There we are. Thank you for bearing with me again. Professor Nick Boostrom has a series of lectures on YouTube, and I hope I get a chance to see all of them. Perhaps this book I've been reading about chaos is the only thing. Chaos is the only thing that keeps people like Boostrom from being able to tell us exactly how man will do himself in. Chaos makes it difficult to predict things like the weather. Boostrom talks about the odds of the human race destroying itself and how it will happen. And if that kind of thing interests you, you might check him out. Now, wouldn't you bet that chemicals and poison would have more of a hand in our demise than atomic warfare? You know as well as I do that scientists keep putting together, creating toxic substances, and today no one knows what the long-term effect of some of those substances will have on living organisms. You and I have friends who spray things all around. Some of this stuff gets in our food. And ingesting this poison is like smoking or being overweight because you can get away with it for a long time, but somewhere down the road it will snip a few years off the end of your life. And of course that's not a thing you think about it. 30, 40, 50, but when you're 79 and wondering if you'll make it to 85, at which time your mortgage will be paid off so you can run about with your trophy bride and hoot and holler and have fun. When you get to that age, you're doing whatever you can to put off the inevitable day when you drop in your tracks. The name is Nick Boostrom, B-O-S-T-R-O-R-M-Strom.
Okay, we'll try that. With any luck at all, you're listening to the humble farmer here. I'm having trouble with my sound levels. I don't know what to do. If you're an expert, come by and give me a hand with this. You're listening to the humble farmer here on Main Private Radio, where we have a feature called No Things Considered, which is, and it's time right now for No Things Considered. Thank you again for listening. Do you think this is interesting? You have to have a certain percentage of truth in any lie to make it credible. You might have heard that some folks who make it a business to check facts discovered that 18% of the facts presented on Fox News were true. I wonder if anyone has ever done a study on the percentage of truth contained in Nazi radio broadcasts designed for domestic consumption in 1944, because right up to the day that Germany was being overrun by Allied troops, German farmers out in the fields were being told by that version of Fox News that they were winning the war. Nothing to worry about. It would also be interesting to know if Rupert Murdoch has a team of psychologists working to determine the lowest percentage of truth in a broadcast that would still be believed by anyone who listens to it. Do you think they could shave a few more points off that 18% of truth and still have most listeners want to believe it? I looked around and found some place to land on solid ground. No wonder why my face just beams She's the future missus of my dreams Introducing Miss Emily Clank She's only seven foot three But her daddy owns the First National Bank She's just perfect for me Those crooked teeth that cast in her eye are defects I scarcely can see cause her cellar's stocked with bourbon and rye she's just perfect for me now please don't think I'm greedy at all but I remember the bread lines and when I think of those headlines announcing our Wendy, she buys me bonds, Mercedes, and such. She's very generous, you see. I'm even sentimental about the sound of her crutch. She's just perfect for me.
much anymore She's got that old trick knee But her checks are good For seven figures or more She's just perfect for me She's losing weight She gets thinner each year She's down to about 603 She's no Sharon Stone But she's very sincere She's just perfect for me Now I don't know how long it'll last Her doctor tells me she's ailing And her eyesight is failing She may be over the hill But having a chauffeur sure beats riding the bus I'll miss that old 803 We never will bust She's just perfect My one and only She's just perfect for me mm, Alan Vachey As you might know I have this sickness where I I have to spill my guts on my Facebook page every morning, whether anybody's paying attention or not. And every once in a great while, I inadvertently come up with something, you know, much as someone who fires birds shot at a turkey is often likely to bring home a bird. And I have something there that I can, with a little bit of tuning effort, convert into a column that I can sell to the newspaper. Now, please... If you teach writing, please impress upon your talented little scholars the importance of writing something first thing in the morning, whether they feel the need to or not. When you get to the point where a morning mental evacuation is more important to you than any other kind, you might want to consider writing as a vocation.
Mm-hmm. The Leonard Brothers from way out west somewhere. Playing a tune I used to enjoy hearing Don Doan play. I took a trip on a train and I thought about you. And the email from Alan said, Robert, I have a good one for you. It just happened. I was in a line and you had to take a number to be served. There were two people ahead of me. The first person, as it turned out, got the number one. Must have been a new role, start of a day. The lady ahead of me took two numbers and turned to me, holding the numbers two and three out to me and said, Do you want two or three? I said, No, just one would be okay, thanks. She said, I do not have one. (laughs) Do you want two or three? I said, No, just one number is okay. She said, This is all I have.
McKinney's Cotton Pickers here on the Humble Farmer. Where were they then? Lucky doll. You can hear me playing old fashioned music just for you every week at this time right here on your favorite station. You know that I am interested in history, sociology, anthropology, and most anything in the humanities along that line. So I was pleased to tell my brother that Marsha's oldest grandchild amazed and delighted me by being familiar with, listen to this, listen to this, she was familiar, this little child was familiar with Hammurabi, Gilgamesh, and cuneiform writing. So you can imagine I was pretty excited about this, and I asked my brother, what kind of teacher do you suppose would teach a sixth grader such things as that? He said, an Iranian terrorist? But the spring is slightly guy, and the fling is slightly guy, but the she all the Now, if the big dog, they get to give the school slides, they do a little bit of cattle kind of that. But if it's clone, the clone is clone along, and he fooled the corner, they hang a clone along, and he came for a hang and they hey, here we flows for the kindest clone guy. Now, if the flank is clown, they come. But seriously, if the pig no come along with the higgy slime was going to hoover down, it was the green. But the slow and the hippie didn't hang it up. But you know what? If I keep talking like this, I'm something to get elected. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear about the wedding where the best man ran off with the bride? Mm-hmm. The groom had asked him to make sure that the wedding came off without a hitch. <laughs> 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 
Pokemon sing a little song. Don't get mad, but don't mean no wrong. You know, tight like that. Or tight like that. Hear me talk to you. Made tight like that. Tight like that. A romantic legend has it that today's military salute descended from the medieval knight's gesture of raising his visor on his helmet, you know, to reveal his identity as a courtesy on the approach of a superior. Handshakes are known to spread countless germs, and you might ask yourself, how did that custom originate and why do we continue to do it? The next time the grandchildren visit here at the farm, I must tell them why napkins are found on tables beside dinner plates. Can you remember reading about that? How that custom originated, napkins by dinner plates? And can you understand why I insist it be continued in our home? We must have napkins on the table. Yes, you're right as usual. You never forget anything you read. Since time began... Countless scientific discoveries and great pieces of music came suddenly to mind during a meal and were immediately scribbled on tablecloths by guests, you know. And these tablecloths were, of course, borrowed by the geniuses and carried off to the laboratory or or their musical studio for transcription. And these tablecloths were never seen again. Hostesses, who got tired of running out of tablecloths, started to put little smaller cloths next to the plate. They called them napkins. They put these on the table. And, of course, they were much easier for guests to write on and 
carry off at the end of the day. I have enriched you, I hope. this thing so it doesn't blast when I first start speaking here. Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer. The other day, a bunch of us were sitting around chatting when the man across the table, the man uh, right across the table from my friend lawyer Crandall, this man asked Crandall how anyone got to be a judge. And Crandall said, I think you just have to be willing to take the job.
I got it that time. I'm learning how to run this thing. When I went into the doctor's office, the doctor asked me if I had noticed the man who just left. And I allowed as how I'd seen a man leave, but I hadn't paid too much attention. And the doctor said to me, that man is 107 years old and he plays golf every day. Wow. Isn't it sad to see a man who's still strong and active at 107 who's completely lost his mind? Exactly like you, you make me feel so grand 
Exactly. 